Back in the 70s, the mantra for teens was peace and love. In the 80s, the mantra for most teen boys was skate or die. Flash forward 20 years, and what do our youths care about? What's the Wi-Fi password? Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Password, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email Joshua Shively at joshuas at calvary.com. Another episode of What's the Wi-Fi Password. We're excited to be here. Um, We took a little break over the last week, um, just kind of dealing with some stuff and walking through some life issues. But uh, I'm blessed to be here recording another episode of this um, with two of my favorite people in the world here. Uh, So why don't you guys say hi? Hey, everybody. I'm Tate. You must be like, know me. I haven't been on here in a while, but it's good to be back. Um, I've missed you guys. So happy you're here listening. Hey, everyone. This is Erica, the better half of Joshua Shively. And like, yes, Tate, <laughs> like Tate said, it's been a while and so glad to be back. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of recount our, our heart for this podcast, just to continue to put out encouragement. Um, we're not technically shelter in place anymore, but definitely not fully back together. Uh, you know, we miss you guys and we had a, a drive-in type sit in the lawn church on Sunday and saw some of you high schoolers and it was just a blast seeing you guys and I broke the rules. I gave you guys hugs. Um, but you know, it was, it was good to see you. And so, you know, in today's podcast, we actually want to talk about some of the issues going on in our world. Um, and uh, mainly today, the, the issue of racism in, in the United States and kind of inside um, our culture and what's going on in our like immediate world right now um, with racism and, um, and you know, so we're going to talk about that. But before we get into that, we got to ask a really important question um, just to kind of break the ice today. Uh, first one, what is the best type of cheese? What a great question when yeah. I'm dying to answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, okay, to be honest, I really didn't like cheese for a very long time up until like the last couple of years. So I've been enjoying trying different types of cheeses and I actually really like cheese. But anyways, not to go on a rant about cheese. I would just have to say probably <laughs> goat cheese. I just love goat cheese. Um, I like the one from Peter Joe's that has like the chive. I think it's chives in it. Um, oh yeah some like seasoning type stuff in it and I also love just like a good white cheddar like I love a white cheddar on mac and cheese and yeah so those are my two favorite types of cheese there you go I like I like any cheese that's not stinky so unfortunately goat cheese isn't even in the running anywhere near (laughs) the second I smell it I instantly taste it and I just like I can't I've tried over and over again, Tate. Like, I can do, um, like, a, a jelly over goat cheese, but it has to be, like, yeah. smoked. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And, like, um, I've done it with, like, pomegranate seeds, and that's been great and really yummy. But, again, the aftertaste of goat cheese. <laughs> and 
anything stinky, just, ugh, I can't do it. Blue cheese is worse. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So I absolutely love Dubliners um, Irish cheddar cheese. And then I think my second favorite would be like a smoked Gouda. Um, it's, it's rich to me. I feel like it can go with, it's paired with meat really well. My favorite is pairing it with either of those cheeses with a roasted pecan or roasted nut of any sort. Um, and I feel like it just adds so many different complex flavors that you can add upon um, with those two flavors. So smoked Gouda, Trader Joe's, and then a Dubliner Irish cheddar is the way to go for me. Yeah, I, I got to say the stinkier the better. It just, I was like stinky, yeah, stinky blue no. cheese, stinky brie. It's just, oh my gosh, the stinkier the better. I think as I get older, no. it's just stinky, skunky stuff. Oh my gosh, so good to me. Um, we get this pizza uh, from uh, Angelina's, and uh, I got to get goat cheese on the side because Erica won't eat it with the goat cheese on it, but oh my gosh, it's good. It's so good. Um, yeah, I like it with everything. Yeah, crackers, meat, jelly, all kinds of stuff. It's good. It's just thinking good. Um, but anyway, so kind of breaking the ice there with a little bit of little bit of cheese. Um, I don't know. Like, let us know what your favorite cheese is if you care. Uh, if not, it's okay too. Um, but just to kind of get on today's with with today's conversation, we've been praying through this. Um, we've really wanted to have this conversation um, just because. We know probably a lot of you students are kind of struggling with the thought of, well, what do I, what am I supposed to believe with what's going on in the world with, with the kind of systemic racism that we see kind of like pop up. Mm, I would say almost like every other year, it seems like there's some type of issue that causes peaceful protests and then also riots. And like, what am I supposed to think about this? How am I supposed to feel about this? Um, and just saying to start this, like, I'll be honest, like I'm, I'm a white male that grew up in a prominently white area, um, kind of in the, in the Northern part of California. Um, I had black friends. I, I knew African-American people that went to our church and I never really like thought of, of any type of racism. I never thought of any type of systemic, um, problem or racism. I, I didn't really grow up with it. Uh, and so I was never really confronted with it until actually I got a little bit older um, and really stepping into ministry, um, even in Monterey, which is a prominently white area, uh, has kind of opened my eyes to this and kind of the idea that, that there is an issue and there is something going on um, that that like, and I don't want to overuse the word systemic, but in the, in, in the case that it's just, there is a real issue, there is a real problem. Um, and so you know, that's just kind of where I'm coming from, that I want to grow in this. I want to mature in the heart and the mind of my, my not just fellow humans, but like my, my, my fellow brothers and sisters that are, um, you know, of brown skin and black skin. And like, I want to grow in that. I want to mature in that. Um, I want to see it for what it is. Um, but then also being a man that falls after Christ, I want to see it through Christ's eyes. And I want to be like Christ to the world. Um, and so, yeah, let's just kind of start the conversation off with that. Like, how are you guys kind of feeling about this? And what, what do you guys think about it? You know, I kind of have a hard time um, with it, just not knowing how to respond all the time. Um, my dad is full-blooded Filipino. He looks like fresh off the boat. He still has a thick accent. 
Um, I grew up with him knowing like that he had certain hardships. Like he has his own business that he's had for over 35 years now. And he had to work really hard and diligently first and foremost to even get his citizenship to even open up his own business in America. And I remember him talking about how hard it is for him, how often he would, you know, um, get pulled aside or questioned because of his color, because of his accent. And I honestly, like hearing him talk about it, he never was like hateful about it. He was more just frustrated with it. And so the way that he raised his kids, me included, was to like really look at it through Jesus' eyes. So in a way, um, I think I'm kind of numb or not numb, just kind of blind sometimes to, to see like what's really happening in our world because I love, I love all the different races. I love people of color. My family, my mom is full-blooded white. And so my family's very mixed. We have adopted from uh, the Philippines, from Korea. We, my first nephew is half black. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood with all different kinds of diversities and, and different cultures and stuff. I just loved it. I've always loved it, especially since my dad was like, you need to view everything through Jesus' eyes. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, I've just always been like, no, people get along. Like, come on, like, get with the program here. Um, and I think that that's kind of hit me for now where we're at today, where I can look back and I could go, oh my gosh, I haven't spoken up in the areas where I should have spoken up. Um, I haven't uh, stood up or, or really just even named certain things like, why is it always this way? Why, why do we not allow, you know, this, but we allow this? Um, so I'm at a place of just like, okay, I want to break that mold. Um, I love who I am. I love my family. I love our country. I love people. And most importantly, I love Jesus and what he stood for. So I, I do, I want to like help out however I can and just change, change my own perspective even. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, this has been a part of my whole life because I have brown skin and I am black and Mexican and white. Uh, my mom is black and Mexican and my dad is white. And I definitely grew up more with my Mexican side of the family and my white side of the family. And so I didn't really like know much about my black history or black culture. Um, I was always very aware though, that in schools, I wasn't really brown enough to be Mexican. I wasn't white enough to be white and I wasn't black enough to be black. Mm. And so I just, as a kid, like, I just remember very clearly realizing there was some problems and even getting treated. um, I just remember in first grade, my teacher, like I got in trouble for sticking my tongue out, but I wasn't, it wasn't a situation where I was sticking my tongue out in like a disrespectful way. It was like a playful way. And she just reprimanded me so hard and she was so hard on me as a teacher and I kind of look back on it and I wonder a little bit I was the one of the only brown kids in class one of the everyone else is white and I kind of wonder sometimes if it was just because I was from the outside I was um 
transferred in because my grandma was a counselor. So I was coming from the ghetto from Pomona and I had different colored skin and she was, I loved her as a teacher, but looking back on it, I can kind of see some things where I think I was definitely just automatically told I was too loud and I needed to be quieter and just things like that where I think it was my personality, but also um, my ethnicity and my race a little bit that might've put into that. Um, in high school, I had a boy that told me he couldn't date me because I wasn't white. Mm-hmm. And so it definitely, and I haven't been out of high school that long. I mean, it's been seven years, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, I just remember, yeah, all kinds of different things like that. Um, but also never being able to understand it fully. Uh, but also being very confused when like Martin Luther King Day would come up wondering why like we didn't talk about it more or we watched the same Martin Luther King movie every single time like I really watched the same movie it's like this cartoon movie of him from like the time I was in first grade till I swear I was like a senior so I was like this is not the whole picture and I knew that but again never Mm -hmm. really lived in areas where I, I was the minority a lot and so um what really started my journey of figuring out how to be, where was my privilege in play? And the word privilege, I just mean by like, how have I had the upper hand by having a white dad or just having a family of a pretty steady income or uh, being able to not worry about like where my food comes and having both parents in my home. Those are all huge privileges that not many people have. And so the book that I started reading was Just Mercy. And I read it probably two or three years ago. And it literally just opened my eyes wide. And from then I couldn't not unread what I had read. And just like the cold hard facts of like, man, this isn't even about politics. um, Because I don't even pay that much attention to politics uh, at times. But this is really about a love issue and a heart issue. And us thinking that in the name of Jesus, we get to like be God sometimes and tell people how they should feel, how they should be punished, how they should be acting and really not being able to listen and to love our neighbors and not really caring, just kind of staying in our own bubbles because it doesn't really affect us. So why should we care? Um, I know a popular thing is like, well, I didn't hurt nobody and I didn't say anything. So like, what is it to me, you know, but that's just so not the heart of Jesus because we see Jesus go out of his way over and over again to reach the people that nobody wanted to reach. Mm. And so that's kind of where I've landed on it of like, yes, I think there are some policies that could change. I think there's privileges that need to be acknowledged, but beyond all of that, for me, it comes down to a loving issue And the Mm. truth is I didn't love being brown because I knew people loved me more if I was white. Like the more I played into being white, the easier it was for people to be around me. The louder or more black, quote unquote, I acted, the more I fit into that stereotype, the more I got called out for it. And it was just uncomfortable and I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to be who God created me to be. I wanted to be who the world approved of. Mm. And I think for so many people in the church of color, like we dim down our ethnicities to fit within this white American church. And 
um, because it's more comfortable for everybody. And since it's more comfortable, we just kind of make that happen. And I just realized like, man, Jesus would be so bummed, I think, if we kept doing that because he came to save every nation, tribe, and tongue. And it's so cool to walk into a room and to see somebody like me. Like everybody wants that because if you see somebody like you, you feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. And um, that hasn't always been the case though. And so like, what can we do to fix that and change that? And so I'm learning and growing and processing. I know for Josh and I, we've had conversations. We haven't always seen eye to eye on it. Mm -hmm. And even with my own parents, I don't see eye to eye on it. And a lot of it though has to come from the, the beginning of all of it is by listening. You know, we see Jesus over and over again. Yeah. He just goes to those people and he asks them their story and they, he asks mm-hmm. them questions and they start talking. And then mm-hmm. that's when he can have the opportunity to correct them and love them and bring the gospel to them. And so like, we can't bring the gospel if we keep ignoring this issue or just wanting the gospel for people that come to us because that's more convenient. Right. Bam. There it is. (laughs) You know, Tate, you did, you hit on a, a really good question that a lot of us are asking nowadays, right? Which is where do we go from here? As Christians, where do we go from here? And, and then you said this other really important thing, uh, not quite in these words, but here it is. Racial reconciliation is gospel work, right? Mm-hmm. And we are ministers of the gospel. That's what, that's what Jesus has commissioned us to do. Um, and racial reconciliation falls within that work. And so I think us just being aware of that, if we call ourselves Christians and we want to be ministers of the gospel, then we need to be willing to do what Jesus did, which is he did. He listened all the time. Um, and not that he didn't know, but he was willing to learn. Where are you from? You know, what's your story? How have people hurt you? How have people abused you or, or taken advantage of you? Um, I want to listen to that. Let me learn, you know, from you in that. And then I love, um, I love the final thing that he did, which is our shortest scripture in the Bible, you guys, you know, it's Jesus wept, you know, after hearing those things and and feeling for his people, he wept with them. And I think that that's such a beautiful picture of what we can be doing now, uh, what we should be doing now, even if we don't know how to properly respond, you don't have to say anything. Um, I'm taking the time to really learn and listen from others around me. And yeah, even feel that pain because it is, it's there. Um, I do. I want to sit down with my dad more and like, okay, explain it more to me. How are you still feeling this? What can I do to change it? Um, or how can I better respond? Um, so I, I can be a better Jesus to those people around me. Just be a better light. Um, mm. I love that. That's so good. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's all these kind of questions and, you know, like kind of statements floating around and, um, mm. I think we need to acknowledge that not one statement covers every bit of white, you know, privilege or white people. And one statement doesn't cover every bit of black, you know, history or even experience. Um, But when we narrow it down to like the individual, we narrow it down to the people and like, even, even the communities, we can even do that and look at like what's happening in that community. um, And, and how can Christ impact that community? You know, how can, how can we, even within our youth group and, you know, Tate, we talked about this, like, even within our youth group, we've got 
uh, kind of a real broad range of kids um, mm-hmm. from from different spectrums and different even color skins and and mm-hmm. it's fun like just to be together um, and just to know like we're all one body in Christ but yet we're all individuals too because even within that body of Christ we don't lose that individuality um, right. and our stories and our history um, but then if we really care you know if we really say that we care then then we're going to look at that person we're going to look at, at what's happening in their life and in their community and their culture and and you know rejoice when they rejoice mourn when they mourn because that's what christ calls us to do and mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm excited to like see what the lord does with this because uh as we walk through this it's it's less of and, and i'll even be honest but, like whenever i heard the the term white privilege man that like ruffled my feathers so i'm like wait like i was a, some white trash like hillbilly you know like <laughs> a drug addict mom i had no privilege but see that's not the point you know it's not it's not this broad statement but it's, it's the idea that that like within our culture, there is something wrong. There is something off. And sure, we yeah. can say it's a, it's a broken world that we live in. And so it's always going to be something like that. But at the same time, that's not an excuse. No. And, you know, I think we need to continue to take those steps to, to really like start looking at, at the individual and the culture and what can we do as Christ? And what can we do for our brothers and sisters in the church and even those in our community um, that, that need that need Jesus ultimately, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess the next question would be, so if we, if we were to had a group of kids in front of us and they asked the question, so what can we do? Right. Mm-hmm. What should we do? Um, what are some of the things that we can kind of encourage them with of like, Hey, here's some things, some practical things that we can do as Christians um, for like our, our community and for those that, that are different colors and different races and different stories that are our own. Yeah. Um, this verse keeps coming up. Um, you guys, students have probably seen it over and over again in the last few days, but it says, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And if we break that down, I think on a very practical level for students, you know, a lot of times you are presented with many opportunities to act justly just because um, there's groups that form naturally, like just that it just happens and it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's problem really, but that's the thing we need to start owning it a little bit more and trying to be as inclusive as possible. So if you have a group of friends and you look around and you all maybe look the same or come from the same neighborhood, like, kind of ask yourself, like, am I, com- am I uncomfortable befriending somebody who looks different than me or acts different than me? Or is there a girl that's always sitting by herself in youth group? Can I go out of my way to um, befriend her and include her in our group and act justly in that? Um, if there's somebody that's being picked on or friends that make comments that are just based off of stereotypes and they might be correct stereotypes. Like just because somebody calls that a stereotype doesn't mean that they're racist and it doesn't mean that they're ignorant either, but kind of saying like, Hey, that's not a very loving comment. Like, I don't think Jesus would say that. I don't think Jesus would call that out in that way or make jokes about that. Um, and just standing up for justice in that way. Um, letting your speech be seasoned with love and encouragement. It really goes back to the very like basic principle of 
if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> it could always go back to that. And then to love mercy, I think, again, you just, you want to be about things that set people free. And so, like, reading the book Just Mercy, it's basically a book about how a bunch of, during the 70s, a bunch of African Americans were basically just set to death row no matter what their crime was. So even if they got caught with drugs for the first time, they were sentenced to death. And uh, crazy eye-opening because that would just not be the same case if they had white skin, but also people were dying, sentenced to death in the electric chair, executed. And so basically the whole book is Brian Stevenson, the guy who wrote it, he goes, to set them free, to, to argue and, and trial for them and um, get them mercy. Because um, yes, they were criminals. Yes, they did this, but did they deserve the death penalty? Um, many of them didn't. And mm. they were tried um, unjustly. They were prosecuted unjustly. And so, you know, you have to pray through how you can show mercy and how you can be a part of that. But we should always love mercy because God has shown us so much mercy for our sins. He has forgiven us so much so we can extend that to others and tell others about that. And then to walk humbly, I think that just goes back to what we've been saying of like, man, humility is just listening and not listening with the intent to respond or to correct, but just listen. Because at the end of a conversation, if I just listen and I don't agree with that person, Unless they're like my friend who's in blatant sin, do I really lose anything by, by not saying, oh, I disagree with you for A, B, C, and D? Like, yeah. what, what do I gain if I argue, if I leave the conversation arguing? How much more can I gain if in humility I just sit there and I listen and I process it and I pray for them and I pray for my heart and I just ask God to show me like, Lord, what, what was that conversation for? What in there do I need to change or take away? Or what do I need to just leave and walk away from? Because that's not applicable to me or something like that. So that's some three things I think you could practically do. Those are good. Those are good. Mm -hmm. Eric, you got one? Um, yeah. Uh, they're, kind of, they're pretty similar to Tate's in all honesty. And I think be, it, they're similar to Tate's because they're based off of the witness that we have in Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I just keep coming back to is what did Jesus do? Um, and that's where I keep going back to. Like we have the Bible, you guys, that is full of so, so much wisdom, all the answers that we need, so much guidance that we need. Uh, and and this, this season is no different, you know? So we do, we look at Jesus. Who did he surround himself even with? Like you look at his 12 disciples and his group was so diverse. He had the tax collector, he had fishermen, he had, you know, just so many different. And then when you look at who he chose to like go out to, he was going to the down and out, the oppressed, um, those that were suffering, those that needed healing, those that were basically forgotten because what they were sick, they were gross, they were, you know, not good enough, basically. Um, and so I've just really been looking at, at Jesus, who he is. And, and you guys, he's not just the servant where, you know, he was willing to serve him, but he was also such a great listener. And, you know, piggybacking off of what Tate said about listening, 
if you're truly choosing to listen to somebody and where they've come from, you're not thinking as they're talking to you, you're not thinking about what you're going to respond with. You're choosing to put yourself on hold and listen to them, like really engage yourself with that person just by listening to them, which then helps you to learn, you know? So again, those three L's that I said earlier, listen, learn, lament. I heard that from a great pastor over the weekend, and I'm just taking that to heart because those are all things that Jesus did. Um, personally for myself, again, I'm looking at Jesus and his, how he broke those cultural barriers. Again, go to the Bible, you guys, specifically Ephesians chapter four. Um, Paul is talking about how we should walk in unity, and it talks about how God like created diversity within us and he uses all those diverse things that make us who we are, those personalities and those gifts. And he uses all of that together to work for the greater um, kingdom work, you know, the kingdom mindset. Um, and then another book, you know, I love how Tate's always giving out books. There's this one that I'm actually going to be searching out and I want to read up on. This woman's actually going to be doing an open seminar on June 10th. So tomorrow, um, it's called be the bridge by Latasha Morrison. Um, she's active here now in the church speaking about all kinds of different things of like how the church needs to be willing to step in the gap to work out these racial issues and, and be that reconciliation. Um, so for me, I need to sit, I need to listen, I need to learn. And I'm, I'm going to start with her cause she's, she's on top of it. Her book is the winner of the Christianity today, you know, just because it's so it's, it's what we need for today. And it, her stuff hit so hardcore smack dab in the face of like, this is what God calls you to do. This is how you can move forward. Um, it may not be the end all, but it it's biblically based. It's what Jesus would do. And we should really look at that. Hmm. So that's really what I have. Yeah. It's a lot, you guys. Um, you know, as, as, so as we finish this podcast, I know this discussion can go on forever. Um, really encourage you guys to check out calvary.com. Uh, uh, our, Pastor Nate had a, had about an hour long discussion uh, with Bill Buffington. He's a he's a black pastor down in Southern California. Um, he was uh, he's just got such great things to say about just the heart that we should have as Christians. Um, and really, the last three things just to leave you students with, I would say first off, just as like Erica and Tate said, be willing to listen and be willing just to stand with your brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what color skin they are. Um, mm -hmm. And in that, I think leads to mourn when they mourn, rejoice when they rejoice, just be with them in that. And then the third thing, which I think we all can do is when we see a blatant injustice, like stand up, say something about it, be willing to, to speak out and not when it becomes popular, don't just do a black screen on your Instagram because it's the thing to do right now. But when you see an injustice in the world, um, and right now it is, it's racism, but it could be next, you know, the next big thing could be abortion or it could be immigration or it could be just, I mean, a lot, there's a lot of them in our world that we live in today, sex trafficking. Um, mm -hmm. Be one that stands up for justice. And, and that, cause that's the heart of our Jesus. That's the heart of our Savior. Um, and so those are just three things you guys just to kind of end with. Um, any last words, ladies, before we, we, we end, send off? <laughs> I think it goes without saying, and I know this is 
kind of like a answer that either makes people's blood boil or like, oh yeah, that's something I can do, but obviously praying and yeah. we can all be praying together. And the reason I say it makes people's blood boil is because I don't want to tell you to pray because like, well, that's just the answer Christians give, but it truly is the answer. Yeah. We can't, we cannot change. We cannot act apart from God because mm-hmm. if we do like he, he can't be with us in it. He can't, he can't guide us in it. So if we just try to take action through our social media channels without talking to God, without reading the Bible, without praying, without um, laboring in prayer, because prayer isn't easy. That's why the disciples were always like, Jesus, can we be done? We really got to go to the mountain again. <laughs> like they did not like praying. It was not easy. Praying is lonely. It is hard. It's tiring. It is. I know you think you're just sitting there like, but it's a mental battle and it's, it's where battles are fought and won. And so I encourage you guys, if you're like, I don't know, Josh, my dad says this, my mom says this, social media says this, you're saying this, I'm confused just start praying, just go to the Lord and start praying and close out all of the noise around you and get along with God. Um, and he'll, he'll guide you. I'm, I am certain that his spirit is strong enough to, to do all that he needs to do in you. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say you guys, you need to pair up with Jesus. You need to pair up with God right now. Um, so yeah, spend that time, pray because Because you, as a human being, you have limitations. And if we truly want to spread, you know, the gospel, the good news, and we really want to see this true change in our world, we have to recognize we can't do this in and of ourselves. We need to pair up with Jesus. So, yeah, you guys pray and be willing to, like, say, I have a limit. I need need help. Mm. Well, guys, thank you so much. Erica, Tate, it was awesome. Um, it was a long conversation. Thank you for listening to us through this time, you guys, and just uh, walking through this with us. Uh, students, we're excited to see you tonight uh, in our small groups in Marco Polo. Um, we know there's a lot going on, even personally within our youth group, so don't be afraid to ask some questions, you guys. Um, your small group leaders are going to be there. I'm going to be bopping around so that, you know, um, it's there. And then actually on Thursday, at two o'clock, I'm going to have some uh, open office hours. So uh, on a Zoom, so I'll put that link out. And if uh, you want to come and talk to me sometime uh, from like two to three or so uh, on Thursday, I'll be there for you guys and um, we can chat. Okay. So anyway, guys, love you. I care about you a whole lot. And uh, we will see you around when we can. Miss ya. Wash your hands. Wash them good. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.